to have my uh, niece Heidi and her husband Lynn from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina visiting this weekend, came to see my mom. So thank you guys for being here. Thanks for coming to encourage my mom. It's good to have my mom in church this morning. Yeah. So many of you have asked about her, and uh, we appreciate your uh, prayers during this season of time. Speaking of season of time, have you noticed uh, there's lots of Halloween decorations around? There's pumpkins, and there's ghosts, and there's goblins, and there's all sorts of questions regarding uh, this season that our culture calls Halloween. And uh, today, I'm not going to talk about Halloween, but I do want to talk about the one spirit that I know about, the one spirit that has been given to us by God, the one spirit who is called the Holy Spirit, who is here to be our advocate. And it's a wonderful, wonderful realization of who we are in Christ to know that the Holy Spirit dwells within every born-again Christian. Man, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the very presence of God living in you, the Spirit that the Bible calls the Holy Spirit. And you can see that in Romans chapter 8. It says, when you accept Christ, you receive the Spirit of Sonship. You have been adopted into the family of God. You have all the Holy Spirit that you'll ever get. You have the gift of God's very presence abiding in you. Man, that should make all of us want to shout. The Holy Spirit is part of the triune God. We believe in one God, but we believe that He, God Almighty, reveals Himself through the Father and the Son and the Spirit. I explained to our membership class the best way that I can really wrap my mind around that is the chemical or the uh, H2O. You know, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. If you freeze it, it's ice. If you put it on a stove and heat it up, it's steam. But it's exactly the same. H2O. Two different functions. You use ice for something different than you use steam. If you want to drink a cold water, you just want the liquid form of H2O. So H2O actually has three forms. God, the one God of the universe, takes three forms in our life. The love of God, the grace of Jesus that sent him to the cross that we might have salvation. And then when Jesus left... He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. You're not orphans. Remember what I just said in Romans chapter 8? You've been adopted into the family of God. You are sons and daughters of God. So I won't leave you alone. I will give to you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not a new thing. The Holy Spirit's been present throughout all of humanity. In fact, the Old Testament talks about certain kings and prophets, and priests, and individuals who were anointed by the Holy Spirit. And they were given the enablement, the power to do certain tasks or ministries for the Lord. Well, there was a prophet back in the Old Testament. His name was Joel. And Joel saw in the future. 
he foretold. And he said, someday the Holy Spirit is not just going to be given to random people who need his empowerment, but someday the Holy Spirit's going to be given to everyone. And he says in Joel that on that day that God would pour out his Spirit on everyone. Doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Doesn't matter if you're a parent or a child. Upon your sons and daughters, and they'll prophesy. Uh, your old man will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. And you know, that day was fulfilled. It's what we call the day of Pentecost. Now, we know that the day of Pentecost was actually a, a Jewish uh, a, a festival. And all these people were gathered together in uh, Jerusalem, according to Acts chapter 2. And Jesus said, stay in the upper room until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Because there's going to be the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And we understand that. That the Holy Spirit came upon all 120 believers and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's where we get the term Pentecostal. We are a Pentecostal church. That means that we believe in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and that term is taken from Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. We believe the Holy Spirit uses every believer, not just the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, but every, even this morning, the Lord used one of our members, Paul Hughes, we interrupted our service so that Paul could give to us not a message from Paul, but a message from the Holy Spirit that we're to dwell in the Holy of Holies. But you know, it doesn't just happen in services. Man, about a month ago, one of our deacons, Mary Sullivan, came to church. And she was in a lot of pain. And she was greeting people, and she greeted Vic Diggering another one of our members. And Vic just fell prompted of the Holy Spirit to pray for Mary. And you know what happened even before the worship began? The Holy Spirit used Vic. And as Vic prayed for Mary, Mary was instantaneously healed. Hallelujah. A miracle. Because the Holy Spirit empowers all of us as believers to do the work of ministry. Man, it's wonderful when we really realize that the Holy Spirit is within us. We don't have to go anyplace to get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. All we need to do is yield to seek Him, to listen to Him. During those moments of frustration, to pause and to be guided by His voice. He's the one that Jesus promised. I want you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Today's really going to be more of a teaching, probably, than a, a, a usual Sunday morning message. But I think we'll all be encouraged. Jesus said in John 14, beginning with verse 15, If you love me, <laughs> obey my commandments. That's a whole different sermon, but it's a good one. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Say it with me, advocate. And this advocate will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. 
So we know who Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit as our advocate who would lead us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. Jesus promised us this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit, whom he calls an advocate. Now, what's an advocate? Well, according to the dictionary, an advocate is someone who speaks in favor of, someone who supports, someone who urges by argument, someone who's arguing on your behalf, someone who recommends publicly. That's what the English word advocate means. But today I want us to go a little bit deeper. I want us to look at the Greek word that we translate advocate. And it's a word paraclete. It means one called alongside to help. So this advocate is called alongside to help. How does he help us? Well, if you look at that Greek term advocate, it actually has a seven-fold meaning. Now, this could be a great uh, seven-week uh, uh, series, but I just want to whet your appetite a little bit, and I hope you get excited to know that the advocate is in you, because what does the advocate do? The seven-fold meaning is he's your counselor. That means in the middle of the day when you need some counsel, he's there for you. He's your comforter when you're in pain, when you're disappointed, when you've been betrayed, when you're all alone. He's there. He's your helper. I like that term. Sometimes I just need a lot of help. He's my intercessor. He's the one that's going to advocate for me. He's my strengthener, a strengthener. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The Holy Spirit is there to strengthen you. And finally, the seventh meaning of paraclete is he's just a good old standby. You know, when everything else fails, when you think, oh man, hey, there's somebody standing by for you. So this Greek word we're talking about means advocate, counselor, comforter, helper, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. And you don't have to go looking for the Holy Spirit. If you have asked Jesus in your heart, he dwells within you. Praise the Lord. Man, that's fantastic news for all of us. We have this wonderful, remarkable advocate. But the question is, are we utilizing that advocate? See, the fact is, friends, you can have a bank account with a million dollars in it, and you can still be hungry. You need to withdraw some money. You need to go down and buy some groceries. You have to apply the resource you have. You can have a million dollars and have holes in your shoes. It's not a matter of not having the resource. It's a matter of not using the resource. That means you and I have the Holy Spirit in us 
So the question is, are we tapping in to this wonderful person of the Spirit who will be our advocate, be our counselor, be our comforter, be our helper, be our intercessor, be our strengthener, and be our standby? I pray that you will realize who you are in the Lord and how you have these benefits and you will tap into his power. There was a group of believers in a little town on the coast called Ephesus. We read about them. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. This is a group of believers who had the resources of the Holy Spirit but they didn't know it. The Bible says when Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they replied, no, don't think so. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. See, lack of teaching, lack of knowing what they have. So he said, well, what baptism did you experience? And they said, well, baptism of John. Verse 4 says, Paul said John's baptism called for repentance in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Paul laid his hands on them. And the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in other tongues. They prophesied. There was about 12 men in all. I am not ashamed to stand here and tell you Wenatchee First Assembly is a Pentecostal church. And more and more, our pastoral staff really desires that we encounter a revisitation of the Holy Spirit. We need that. Not just Pentecostal in doctrine that we say, oh yeah, that's one of our 16 fundamental truths, but an empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In our lives. We need to have that passion rekindled for what God's doing. Man, we've got a, we've got a mission. And that mission is to love, to mend, to train, and to send. But friends... We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to know how to do that. We need the vision. We need the strategy. We need the empowerment of the Spirit to fulfill what he's asked us to do. We can't just sit back on the accomplishments from the last decade. Oh, we can look back and say, oh, those were the good old days. It's tempting to look back even the last 10 months and say, wow, we baptized 16 people this year. Well, that's wonderful, and we need to rejoice. But that's not what the Lord is doing today. We can't sit on the accomplishments from yesteryear or yesterday. We need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Jack Hayford pastored for years down in Van Nuys, California church on the way. Man, this is what he said. He articulated it so well. Of course, Jack Hayford articulated anything well. He's just a phenomenal pastor. He said, such a heartfelt passion must be sustained in our lives as disciples of Jesus. Have you as an individual, have we as a church sustained that passion? to tap in to the advocate that we have? 
Hayford goes on to say, otherwise Christian living becomes reduced to simply being nice girls and boys for Jesus. <laughs> Man, in the New Testament and in the teachings that the church fathers gave us, spiritfulness is emphasized as a recurring necessity. We all need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. In order for us to maybe sense uh, the ways that the Holy Spirit baptizes us or fills us or comes upon us, how do we tap into this resource of the Holy Spirit? I want to take the time remaining, and I want us to look at six verbs that are used in the book of Acts. Like I say, this is kind of a maybe a deeper Bible study like we would do on a Wednesday night. But I think it's important. I think you'll be excited to realize that when the Holy Spirit was given in the book of Acts, there was six different verbs that were used, and they all had just a little bit per different perspective. I don't think that these words were chosen simply to, to you know, provide a variety of expressions, but to reveal to us the full range of the experiences of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Acts 1, 5. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the first word that I want to look at is the word baptized. And that's one that a lot of churches use. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? But it's only one of six words to describe this filling of the Spirit. Baptizo is a cool word when you really study it out. In the Greek, the word baptizo was used in a number of really interesting ways. It describes something that was fully immersed. So if there's a, a ship in a storm and the water began to fill the, the ship, it wasn't immersed until it sunk. And when it was sunk, then they would say, it was immersed or it was baptized. It's like taking a morsel of bread and actually dipping it into a bowl of soup or stew. That is baptized. I think the one that resonates to me is it also represents the dying of a garment. See, in using the word baptize or baptizo, it's to describe our entry into the dynamic presence and fullness of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was calling us to change. He just said, if you love me, you're going to obey my commandments. So let's keep it in context. He wants us to change. So he uses the word baptize just as a dyed garment. If you have a white shirt and you mix up some blue dye and you take that white shirt and you immerse it, you baptize it into the blue dye, guess what happens? The color of the shirt changes. It's a different shirt. It, the old is gone, the new has come. Just as a sunken ship has all of its compartments flooded, man, God's Spirit flows into every vacuum, every part of us. No place in our life should be unaffected. We need to be completely baptized 
just like a garment has been dyed, which means that you have new qualities. So when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, these kinds of immersions show us, these kind of word pictures show us really what, what the writer of Acts, Luke, was trying to help us grasp. But that's not the only word, only verb that's used. In Acts chapter 1, he also uses the word receive. So you're baptized in the Holy Spirit or you receive the Holy Spirit. That's found in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Talking to people everywhere about me. In Jerusalem, the Bible says, or Judea, or Samaria, and that's you start in the center and you kind of work your way out. And then it says, even to the ends of the earth. I had a conversation recently with someone who asked me about why does Wenatchee First Assembly support so many other ministries? And there's $4,000 plus that go out every month to support other ministries. Some in Wenatchee, some in Washington State, some in the United States, some in the Philippines, some in Africa. And they said, is that because of your mission? And I thought about it for a moment. I said, well, yes, it is our mission. But more importantly than that, it's because we're a Pentecostal church. And the Bible says when we receive him, we have power to go to the ends of the earth. So it's not just our mission. It's who we have been for 102 years. Interestingly, that word receive does not just mean you receive so you can keep it. It's not like, oh, thank you. I'll take this and put it in my closet. Thank you. I'll take this and put this on my resume. It's a very interesting Greek word. It's lombino or lombano. And it conveys the idea of receiving with the intent to give. Isn't that kind of an aha moment? When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive it with the intent to give. It describes taking or laying hold of something with one hand in order to make use of it. We're conduits. We understand that. God blesses us so we can bless others. God has been generous to us, so we're generous to others. God has given us monetary resources so that we can give monetary resources to others. It's that principle of the harvest that we talked about a few months ago. But it's all based upon that verb, we receive to give. And probably the best, or one of the best pictures of that is Jacob. It's an Old Testament picture, Genesis chapter 32 Man, with persistence and passion, he took hold of a promise. He took hold of a future. He took hold of a purpose that only God could give him. And symbolically, in fact, in changing his name, God transformed him into his man. So really, bottom line, everything ultimately relates to our willingness not only to receive power and grace and glory, and the supernatural giftings of the Holy Spirit, but also to share them, to use them. 
So important. That verb is also used in Acts chapter 8, verse 17. I ask myself, and I just challenge you to ask yourself, are you wanting that kind of openness? Are you wanting the Holy Spirit manifested in your life so that you will receive him so that you can give? Bible says, freely we received, freely we give. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, talks about that we have received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. See, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is that we have received the Holy Spirit. You can't separate the anointing from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the anointing. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. You've received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. The Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what He teaches is true. It is not a lie. Man, did you catch that? When you receive, you receive the anointing. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I do not understand the anointing. I don't understand how it works. I just know the Bible says we've all got it. We've got the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that anointing is given to us to teach us about everything as it abides in us. The Holy Spirit is the anointing. And if a person is a believer in Christ, you've got that anointing. The third verb I want us to look at this morning is found again in Acts 1.8, but it's what is translated comes upon. So you're baptized, you receive, but also this verb come upon. You will receive the Holy Spirit when it what? When it comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Come upon relates to the overtaking of a whole new set of circumstances that come upon you. See, when you're full of the Spirit, you're overtaken by His heart. See, sometimes we focus in on signs and wonders and miracles and all that. That's all part of it, but there's more to it than that. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you receive the mind of Christ. You receive the heart of Jesus. That means his compassion for the lost burns inside of you. His desire for unity burns inside of you. His quest becomes your quest because he has come upon you. His heart his mind, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be overtaken with his mind, his heart, his focus. We need to be like Jesus, but friends, we need to see like Jesus. We need to understand like Jesus. We need the faith that Jesus had to do ministry, whether that's healing or deliverance or just encouragement or preaching or prophesying or whatever it is. But it all comes through the Spirit, and if you've asked Jesus in your heart, you have the Spirit. He's there. You just need to tap into Him. Acts 2, 4 says everyone present that day was filled with the Holy Spirit, 
And they began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them that ability. These were known languages. So there were people who had come to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. And they heard their language being spoken by people who they knew didn't know that language. Wow, what a manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit came upon the people. The fourth verb is one that we often use, and that's filled. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, friends, I don't care which verb you use. Baptized, come upon, filled, anointed. I just want each of us to tap in to the fullness of the Holy Spirit that's within us. That's my desire. In the Greek language, the word fill it means something different than it does to us in English. If I have a glass and I go to fill it, I might fill it three-quarters of the way, maybe even seven-eighths of the way. If I really want to be funny, I fill it all the way to the top and then try to hand it to somebody. You know what I'm saying? But fill really doesn't mean what it means in the Greek, in our understanding. A three-quarter full glass is not filled in the Greek sense. In the Greek language, the verb is plural, and it means to overflow. To overflow. Until the glass is 100% full and there's water running over the edges, then you can say in the Greek, that's a full glass. And Jesus wants us to be filled with the Spirit. Man, His Holy Spirit should be just overflowing in our lives, in our words, in our attitudes, in the way that we treat one another, in the way that we respond to a hurting, lost world. They don't need judgment. They don't need condemnation. They need hope. And the hope is found in Jesus. The word means there's more than enough. Not just enough. The word filled means you have more than enough. His resources, his abundance is available to us. We just need to be opened to the renewing and the refilling of the Holy Spirit. See, some of us have become like a sponge. Oh, we had an experience one time ago. We had the passion. We had the anointing. We had that. But the sponge has been sitting on the counter for a while. It's got dry. In fact, maybe it's got brittle. But, you know, all you have to do is submerge that sponge back into the water and it becomes full again. And I'm going to ask some of you to take that step of faith this morning and at the end of the service just to come to these altars and say, Lord, maybe I've lost a little bit of my passion. Maybe I've lost a little bit of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to refill me. I want to be filled to overflowing. That's the word or the name, I should say, that God gave to Abraham back in Genesis 17. 
Remember how God revealed the promise of a son to Abraham? And he said, don't worry about all the details. I am El Shaddai. Which comes from a Greek word that can either mean strong or mean mountain. Depending on, you know, who you read and how you interpret it. But metaphor, metaphor, metaphorically, it really means a mountain of expansive strength. So you put it together, strength and mountain. El Shaddai is that, is that name of that all-powerful, all-sufficient God who can do anything and everything for us. We just need to keep full. That's why Paul says, pray always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit. We need to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit to do what God wants us to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says we're not sufficient in ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. So let every day in your life be filled with more than enough. Be filled with the Spirit. The fifth verb is one that is translated poured out, which has a similar, you know, um, idea of being overflowing, but it's poured out. It's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And that's when Luke actually records Peter quoting that verse that Joel had, had prophesied, that in the last days my spirit will be Poured out on all people, all people, all people. Males, females, rich, poor. All people, young, old. And the Old Testament word from Joel describes this spilling forth, this abundant, intentional, sovereign imparting of God's Spirit. And Peter echoes that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as we just read. It's a bestowing of abundant proportion. But listen, it's bestowed upon you for a purpose. Just like receiving has that other side of, well, we receive so that we can give. This verb, it's poured out that we might be able to be equipped and enabled to do what God is asking us to do. It's what I want to call power with purpose. Now for us that live here in the Wenatchee Valley, probably the best really way we can understand that is think of the two dams on either side of town. You can think of, you know, Rocky Reach Dam or you can think of Rock Island Dam. Doesn't matter. But think of the abundance of water behind those dams. There's an abundance of water. And as it's poured out, it goes through generators. And you know, those generators make a roaring sound. But is that the purpose of the water going through the generator? See, sometimes we get all excited about the roaring sounds. Well, there might be roaring sounds, but that's not the purpose that we've been given power. We know that the purpose of this 
hydroelectric engineering marvel is not to generate thunderous sounds, but to generate power and light. The releasing of the potential within the dam, energy is channeled for a purpose. And that's what God would say to us this morning. I'm going to pour out your whole, my Holy Spirit upon you, but it's for purpose. It's to flow through you that you can generate power. You can generate light. God would say, live, live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And let those rivers, what the Bible says, rivers of living water flow from you to light the world wherever you go, to bring the hope that the world needs of Jesus' love and Jesus' forgiveness. The final verb I want to talk about this morning is the verb falls. Falls. Acts 10, 44. I think this is one of the loveliest ideas, this uh, of falling, having something fall on you. Acts 10, 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening. Now, fall upon suggests something a little bit different than we've talked about up to this point. And to better understand it, the same Greek word is used in the story of the prodigal son. And that's what I think makes this so charming. It's just awesome. In the story of the prodigal son, you remember, the boy returned home. And what did the father do? The father ran out and met him with open arms, great affection. And it says he fell on his neck and embraced him with joyous acceptance. This is the father falling upon the neck of the prodigal. Same term. The Holy Spirit falls on us with this grace-filled embrace of gratitude, of affection. And back to the group of believers in Ephesus. They'd been baptized in water as a, you know, an act of obedience, following their repentance and their faith in Jesus. But they hadn't yet tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe there's some of you here today that haven't tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit that you already have. Maybe some of us are living on past experiences. But the Holy Spirit is telling us today, come, let me refresh you. Let me renew you. Man, can you get a picture of that father and that prodigal son and what God wants to do in our lives? The Spirit of God is so urgent, so passionate, so committed to his agenda and his love for us he just wants to run out and meet us where we are. To give to us, pour out on us that holy calling. Saying, man, you have been set apart. The Holy Spirit wants to meet us today in this place. But it's up to us. Will we respond? Will we say yes? Will we allow the Holy Spirit to baptize us? 
That means to immerse us like a piece of cloth into a dye that we might have his dynamic presence in all areas of our life. Will we receive him today with that passion and that embrace of the plan that he has for each of us? Receiving the Holy Spirit so that we can release the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to come upon us today. Remember what that means? It means reformatting the direction of our lives in that his heart then becomes our heart or our heart becomes his heart. Our mind becomes his mind. And we'll see the world entirely different if we really allow the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Maybe he wants to fill you today. Not just halfway, not just three quarters. But remember, he supplies more than enough. Maybe he just wants to pour out his spirit just as the mighty water of the Columbia is channeled to produce power. He wants to pour out his spirit on us so that we can fulfill his purpose. Or maybe he just wants to fall on us today. As I said earlier, I really don't want to get hung up on all the different verbs, but I thought it was interesting, and I hope that it's helped you understand the beauty of who the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit that lives in you, the Holy Spirit you have available. All sevenfold meaning of the Holy Spirit. And as a Pentecostal church, we just, we have to maintain our objective to keep full of the Spirit that we might demonstrate His love and power to each one that we associate with, that our paths cross. We need to keep this experience alive. And I trust as our worship team comes that you'll take time before you leave and you'll meet me at this altar and you allow the Holy Spirit to rekindle the passion of knowing that the advocate is available for our every need. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you have not left us alone. I thank you, God, you've given us your written word in the Bible. But I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the person of the Holy Spirit not just a representative of you, but it is you in a different form. And the Holy Spirit abides in each of us. He's our advocate. And he wants to fall upon us today. He wants to pour out on us. He wants to fill us. He wants to baptize us. He wants to use us today, oh God. And I pray that each person in this auditorium will take time to come into that holy place, not distracted by what's going out in the outer courts, not being distracted by everything the, the priest in the temple might be doing, not be distracted by the bleeding of sheep, but Lord, that we might just boldly go through that curtain that was 
torn apart for us when you died on Calvary and that we might come into the very holy of holies and that your Holy Spirit might rise up big within us today. Rekindle our passion. Fill us afresh and anew. Would you stand with me? And I just want you to begin coming right now.